Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. See, this is how false information gets spread. Joe Fortenbaugh, usual host of this show, Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Big fan of alternative facts there, trying to uh, get Amber to admit that she lives on an island in which she owns, in which I know is not true. I am not Amber, nor is he, Courtney Cronin, Tyler Fulgham, sitting in for our good friends. This is the last ever Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio on Tuesday next week. We move into our new radio lineup. Joe is going 12 to 3 with Chris Carlin. Amber going 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time with Ian Fitzsimmons. We're excited for the new lineup. But, man, Tyler, we have so much to talk about tonight. This was supposed to be the pre-long weekend, holiday Friday, the last weekend of summer. And of course, in comes conference realignment with an attempt to steal the thunder. We've got week one of the college football season. We're not going to let that happen. I know that you and I, it's been a minute since we've worked together. So I've got so much to pick your brain about as it relates to point spreads and who I should be looking at to bet on this weekend in college football. How the heck are you doing though? Yeah, I'm doing well, Courtney. It has been a minute since we've, uh, you know, our game night uh, days, uh, you know, Sunday evenings late into the wee hours of the morning, especially on the East Coast there. But happy to be with you and your rising star. I see your face all over my television screen, around the horn and whatnot. Absolutely crushing it. So I'm excited for the next couple of hours here. I'm actually, this is not a lie, I'm actually going to Joe Fortenbaugh's for dinner. Tonight, So I wonder if he called in and said, you know what, I got to whip up something five star for my guest of honor tonight. Um, so if, if I show up there and it, he's got like McDonald's waiting for me and he had all day to cook up a nice meal and I filled in for him on his radio show, I'm going to be pretty ticked off. So he better have something good. Fortinball, if you're listening, that's caviar, that's champagne, that is only the finest Wagyu A5 fillets, my friend. He did tell us the other day that when I knew I was going to be hosting with you on Friday, he said, well, he's going to be getting here late. The champagne might be gone. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, Joe, if you're listening, you have the caviar ready. Hopefully you can keep a <laughs> bottle of Dom on ice for Tyler for uh, doing, doing the hard work here on a pre-Labor Day Friday. So lots to get into with college football. We're going to do that in a bit, talk conference realignment and some of the games that we're looking forward to week one. But we're also less than a week away from the NFL season kicking off. Super Bowl 57 banner going up next Thursday night at Arrowhead Stadium when the Chiefs open up the season against the Detroit Lions. One player not expected to be there, at least the way that things are shaking out right now. Chris Jones remaining at a contract impasse with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been out all of training camp. He said he's prepared to stay away this season. Don't know when this one is going to get solved. We, are, we know that deadlines sometimes spur action. But if you ask Travis Kelsey, Chiefs tight end, who was on the New Heights podcast, his podcast with his brother Jason, Chris Jones can't come back soon enough. Oh, man, Chris, can you please come back? You're really scaring me, man. I don't I don't get it. He, you must know something that I don't know because 
I just don't get it. I really want to get another Super Bowl ring with you, brother. This is me bargaining you to just come back and play football for the Chiefs. Please, we need you. Well, I just hope you bad. And yeah, I don't I know he, what the situation is. Obviously, well, the situation is you guys old. aren't paying him enough, and I think you should hold off <laughs> as long as possible. <laughs> All right, so one side has that interest, and obviously Travis Kelsey wants his guy back with him this year. And, and Tyler, like, I can't fault Chris Jones for sta- for holding his ground here. He has outplayed that antiquated contract, which expires after the 2024 season. But it's hurting his teammates. As you hear, you know, in the background right now, this is all of what Travis Kelsey was saying on that podcast. Please, please come back. Yeah, uh, kudos to our producer, James, for firing up player because Travis Kelsey sounded like a member a vaunted 70s, 80s group player. And I was singing Baby Come Back when I heard the yearning and the longing in Travis Kelsey's voice. And it's for good reason. Uh, let's just big picture with Chris Jones. There are some who believe in the NFL for good reason that he has overtaken Aaron Donald as the best interior defensive player in the National Football League. And Aaron Donald, for the bulk of his nine, ten-year career, has been considered not only the best interior defender, but the best overall defensive player in football. The impact that Jones makes for his team is far from insignificant. It is as as significant as any player in the league. I saw a stat on uh, NFL Live that when Jones is on the field, Kansas City has the best pressure rate in the NFL last season. When he steps off the field, that drops all the way to 28th in the National Football League. So, It is much easier to throw, move, score against Kansas City when Jones is on the sideline. Um, But, but, however, there's always a caveat, number 15 still plays for the Chiefs. So while these things are being worked out with Chris Jones, there's the saving grace of maybe the greatest quarterback to ever live for Kansas City. As far as your point about his antiquated contract, yes, he is worth more. He has outplayed it. He deserves it. He should get it, whether it's from Kansas City or from someone else. But if you're a Chiefs fan, of course you want Chris Jones there, I still believe, short-term, long-term, this team will be able to achieve what they want to because Patrick Mahomes, as long as he's healthy with Travis Kelsey on the other side, um, they'll, they'll be in every game they play. Look, I give Patrick Mahomes all of the benefit of the doubt that he can make up for just about anything. At this time last year, we were having the conversation about Tyreek Hill, and wow, they're really going to miss him. They're really going to struggle without him. Look how that ended up. Super Bowl 57 champions, that banner going up on Thursday. However, on the other side of the ball, the production that they don't have, if Chris Jones is not there, is pretty stark. Like, no one comes close on the Chiefs to Chris Jones in terms of defensive production. And it's just remarkable when you look at everybody else who's there who hasn't produced. Like, he had 77 quarterback pressures last year. Nobody else in the Chiefs had 50. Mm. Chris Jones had 15 and a half sacks. The most anybody else had, seven. Mm. And I'm with Travis Kelsey on this because – I don't know how we got here. This is somebody who has a premium skill set who is on an insane trajectory throughout his career. 60-plus sacks only, you know, you know, five, six years into his NFL career. You've got a defense that's filled with a bunch of guys on their rookie deals. You've already paid Patrick Mahomes. You know that you're going to end up paying him again at some point. The fact that we're here wondering how things escalated to where he felt the need to hold out and where the Chiefs felt the need – to not pay him. I, I, I just, I'm shocked that at this point, a team that knows 
it has its window. It has Patrick Mahomes, and it has its version of Patrick Mahomes on the defense and Chris Jones. Why would you even toy with that formula in potentially having a massive part of it not there for this season? It's a great question, Courtney. One I can't answer, and based on what we know about the value of Patrick Mahomes' contract relative to what it should be. I mean, the Chiefs are saving money. Uh, with the deal that they gave Mahomes. And Tyreek, they had to let him go for salary cap reasons. Travis Kelsey, of course, paid at the top of the salary spectrum for that specific position. But it seems like, yeah, you would want to, I don't know if he can get Aaron Donald money. That was a special, unique circumstance. But get as close to Aaron Donald money as possible because Jones is the Mahomes of that defense. Um Ultimately, I think some resolution will be reached, and we don't see Jones wearing a different uniform, different colors. I don't know if it'll take place by week one because he seems intent on you know getting every last dollar, and it seems like he doesn't you know he's not as crazy as it sounds. A professional athlete uh, may have taken care of his money and doesn't absolutely need the four, five, six, seven, eight million. You know he, he'll be able to survive and live. His family will be able to survive and live if he foregoes any uh, salary. So. I think ultimately it comes to a conclusion, maybe later than Chiefs fans had hoped, but uh, when, if and when they get Jones back, this is a team that very well could repeat as a Super Bowl champ for Super Bowl 58. Do you think he's there week one, yes or no? I don't, no. I, I, I don't think he's going to play. I, uh, they can probably get by these first six yeah, games of the season. Their first test is week seven against the Los Angeles Chargers. Their first division game comes then. But, man, not seeing Chris Jones out there, that's going to be a weird look for this Chiefs defense come Thursday. Joe and Amber presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Later in the show, we're going to go out to Kansas City for an update on the latest surrounding Chris Jones. He's prepared to not play with the Chiefs this year. A wide receiver. In my opinion, the most underappreciated wide receiver in the NFL might be preparing for his last year with his team. I'm going to tell you who that is coming up next here. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, Poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Headlines often spur action, as we have talked about with Chris Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs. There really wasn't a deadline set. There's the arbitrary one of next Thursday. But Mike Evans, his agent, came out today saying that there is a deadline of next Saturday for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to come to an agreement on a contract extension with the longtime Bucks wide receiver. Otherwise, those things are going to be tabled for the 2023 season. Feels like Mike Evans, one of the best receivers, maybe the most underappreciated receivers in the NFL, could be headed for his last season in Tampa Bay. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Tyler Fulgham filling in for our good friends here on this Friday evening. Jeff Darlington set the scene for us, ESPN NFL reporter who was on ESPN Radio earlier today about the latest with Mike Evans. The Bucks are in financial distress a little bit because they went all in to get the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. So uh, I'm sure these are complicated, hard conversations where Mike Evans is like, well, yeah, but, but that doesn't mean that, that I need to take less or not get paid right now. Uh, I, I don't know that – I don't necessarily think at this point I expect it to end with Mike Evans not playing this season. I just feel like Jason, like the GM, will figure this out whether it's a short-term Band-Aid or um, I guess that's not what Mike's looking for or um, some sort of contract. But to me, I'm not quite, if I'm a fantasy manager who's already drafted Mike Evans, I wouldn't freak out too much. (laughs) All right, so one thing I want to point out first with what Darlington was talking about, Tom Brady's contracts, remember when he retired – that $35 million that was remaining counts against the salary cap for the Bucks this year. So $76.76 million in dead money in 2023. That's how much the Bucks are taking on right now. Next season's different. They've got 40, like north of $47 million in cap space. But right now, Tyler, they're strapped, and they're trying to <laughs> tell us through their actions and inaction that no matter how great Mike Evans is, they can't really afford him at the price in which he wants, which has been reported to be Cooper Cup money that he got last season. It doesn't really seem to fit the timeline of where the Bucks are at either. Mike Evans, while still a productive wide receiver, is nearing the back nine of his career, maybe on the back nine um, of his career. So does he want to be around for whatever the future, you know, incarnation of this team is if they are one of those teams that's lucky enough to be in the Drake Mayer Caleb Williams sweepstakes does he want to build with a rookie quarterback so he and Chris Godwin on the same team Devontae Adams some other wide receivers and then we'll talk about this uh, a little bit later in the show inspired by our good friend Dan Graziano's article on dot com it's a spinoff of what if called would you be surprised if that we're going to play a little later in the show but there is a lot of what if scenarios if teams start to fail and need to go into a pseudo tank mode with these veterans who are 28 29 30 31 established pro bowl all-pro caliber players would it be wise for these franchises to maybe move them and acquire assets to go into a rebuild and make it quicker. So I I think that is what 
Tampa Bay is looking at because personally, Courtney, I don't think they're going to be a team that finds themselves in contention in the NFC South, as crazy as that sounds, because everyone was in contention that in that division last year because if you got to eight wins, that was pretty much all you needed. I think they're going to realize, and they should realize if they're running this franchise smart, that uh, Mike Evans' best value is not to this football team on the field in 2023. Mike Evans' best value to this team is shipping him to another squad and acquiring assets so you can complete a full rehaul, um, rebuild with this uh, organization. He is one of five players all time to have 10,000-plus receiving yards, 80-plus receiving touchdowns through his first nine seasons in the NFL. The other names on that list, all in the Hall of Fame, Jerry Rice, Mm. Randy Moss, Marvin Harrison, and Calvin Johnson. I can't see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't really understand what they're doing because they've had opportunities, even before this, to redo his contract, to pay him what he's worth. He makes $16.5 million on his contract right now. That's 17th highest paid at this position. He's the most underappreciated receiver in the NFL. He continues to produce year in and year out, yet all these other wide receiver contracts that we've seen pop up over the last couple of years and the ones that we know that are coming Justin Jefferson eventually Mm -hmm. Jamar Chase so on and so forth I don't know why but it feels like Mike Evans has somehow gotten lost in the shuffle here and I can't seem to find the reasoning for that because he has been arguably if not the most consistent beast one of them for this Tampa Bay offense no matter who they've had at quarterback and if you have a team that is going through a transition season I understand that why and pay that coin for a receiver who just turned 30 years old, but what about next season? What about the seasons after that? How are they going to approach it? It doesn't feel like Mike Evans is going to be in Tampa Bay much longer because when receivers get to the other side of 30, franchises often have pause. And had they done this deal ahead of now, we're not having this conversation about him not being paid what he's worth. Yeah, I think that's the right move, what you're saying for Tampa Bay. They got... And far as business parlance, I mean, these are still human beings. These are not robots. But for the GMs, for the owners, it it comes down to those dollars more than the the human feelings. And they got the best years of Mike Evans at far less than market value. That's a win for Tampa Bay. They should then now get even more value out of Mike Evans because he can still play a little bit. A thousand yards again last year. He's done that every year of his career. And trade him to another team while he still has value and recoup some resources that they can allocate, whether it's added financial flexibility or draft resources or a younger player that fits where this team is uh, in their timeline. So uh, they have, fortunately for them, had the best of Michael Mike Evans, I should say, at below market value. They should not even think about bringing him back when he is going to be a declining player. They should ship him somewhere else. And I agree. I think he's wearing a different uniform as early as Middle of this season by the trade deadline, certainly uh, after this season. I think the same could be said for Chris Godwin as well. Well, I've got to ask you something because I know you're a Rams fan. Mm-hmm. Does Cooper Cup fall into that category? He is starting to. Him and Aaron Donald. They're both 30, 30-plus. 30 I have a different belief about what the Rams want to do because I know that franchise a little bit more. I'm not sure if Tampa Bay feels the same way as the Rams do because um, they're fresh off of a Super Bowl just a few years ago, so they still feel like potentially their window may be open. But Cup is, now we know, Maybe that injury label because he re-aggravated that hamstring, but I think both he and Aaron Donald are, if you really want to consider the future, boy, they still have some value. Less need definitely around the league. Yeah, 
November should be a very interesting time considering the construction of that roster and the construction of what is going on in Tampa Bay. He's not the only one, Mike Evans, that is, that's up for contract, uh, an extend new contract in 2024. They've got Levante David, Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr., Tristan Wirfs, and then you know, we'll see. They've already entered the new phase in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, but it's going to take a while to get that salary cap back into the black after they hold on to all of this dead cap that they've got to pay because Tom Brady's no longer on their roster. Straight ahead, conference realignment in college sports rages on. We're going to talk about the ACC's additions, what it means for the Pac-12 next. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. University presidents and chancellors just could not let us go smoothly into the real opening weekend of college football. Of course, there had to be another hefty dose of conference realignment to change the landscape as we know it. The result, Stanford, Cal, leaving the Pac-12, SMU, leaving the AAC, all three joining the ACC. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Tyler Fulgham, sending you into the long weekend, but not before we check in with Adam Rittenberg, ESPN senior college football reporter, joining us here on the show. Adam, 18 schools. 18 schools. That's how many the ACC and Big Big Ten now have. But let's talk about how we got here, because not everybody in the ACC was as welcoming with the idea of expansion as we normally see with that unanimous vote. How did we get here today? Well, it was really a push-pull, Courtney, over the course of several weeks uh, since the other schools vacated the Pac-12 for the, the, for the Big 12. Um, and it, yeah, I think it ultimately came down to making the numbers work, making the revenue work for all sides to ultimately get one of those four no votes, which turned out to be NC State, to flip to a yes vote and get uh, these three schools into the ACC, which was uh, obviously a, a desperate situation for Cal and Stanford, you know, being you know, two of the four leftovers from the uh, Pac-12. SMU is in a different position. SMU is in the AAC. Um, you know, they saw this as a chance to get into 
a, a power conference. They'd had conversations with the Pac-12 back when it was still a viable league. And, and, and if you look at the finances, the length of time SMU will be going to the ACC without really getting any sort of revenue bump, it, it's kind of astounding. But that school historically had been in the Southwest Conference, has sort of been on the outside looking in, and they still have a lot of money around their university. And they, they had a big celebration not long ago on campus here in Dallas, and, and they're fired up about the move to the ACC. Adam, what's to be made of Oregon State fans, Washington State fans, the schools on the periphery now after, I don't know if the musical chairs have stopped, perhaps you can tell us uh, if there's more to be expected, but for those or for those universities, I should say, those programs that are left on the outside looking in after this latest reshuffling, what's going to be left for them to do? Where will they end up? They're probably ending up in the Mountain West, and, and that was unfortunately the likeliest scenario. Nothing wrong with the Mountain West, it's a great league, but for them, that was the likeliest scenario uh, when, when things really started to crumble from a Pac-12 perspective because they weren't really wanted by a Power 5 league. You know, when the Big Ten initially looked at exploring adding schools from the West Coast, uh, it feels like, you know, years ago, it was only a few weeks ago, they were looking at Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford. They took Oregon and Washington. Cal and Stanford were still seen as desirable. No one was talking about Oregon State and Washington State. So unless there's a surprise lifeline from the Big 12. Uh, the AAC said today, their commissioner, Mike Oresco, that they're, not lo- they're no longer looking to the West. They, they would be looking elsewhere if they choose to expand. Army and those types of schools are possible for the AAC. So what's left, uh, unless there's, there's some type of you know, Pac-12 miracle save here, I think Oregon State and Washington State are, are looking at going to the Mountain West at some point. Adam Rittenberg, senior college football writer for ESPN.com, joining us here on Joe and Amber. Why now? Because we know that deadlines spur action. I kept thinking about the Florida State deadline of August 15th, a couple weeks ago, if they were going to leave the ACC, that that was the date they had to let the conference know by. But as far as, I'm, as I know, Adam, there wasn't any sort of deadline to get this done. Why are we getting a Friday news dump with such major conference realignment news? Right. Well, I think this is, again, this is on again, off again, this, the, this situation with the, with the ACC. And ultimately, once they reached a point where financials were satisfactory for enough parties, like the other deadlines didn't really matter. So it's, it's not a matter of vacating the ACC, which would have been Florida State situation. It's adding schools from a conference in the Pac-12 with an expiring media rights deal and then adding a school from the American in the SMU, which would have to pay an exit fee, which it obviously is comfortable doing. I mean, think about the, the lack of revenue they're going to be getting from the ACC. They're fine at SMU paying you know, whatever it costs to get out of the American to join the ACC. So I think it, it, the, the reason it took this long is that, again, it was not a unanimous vote. Three schools uh, voted against it. Four schools initially were, were not on board. Others had some trepidation. And I think this is a theme of realignment this summer, guys, is that it's not doing backflips and cartwheels about these additions. The Big Ten, even though the Big Ten unanimously voted to add Washington and Oregon, there was some real reluctance in that league, you know, even some opposition, I think, to, to doing that when they did. But they ended up doing it. And the ACC felt the same way that, hey, as Jim Phillips, the commissioner, said, you have to act or you get left behind, as we saw with the Pac-12. Adam, 
loaded question coming your way, so I apologize for that. But what's the game of college football look like in five or ten years? And I hear someone honking the horn at the question, trying to give you a warning there. But, I mean, ten years ago, you had teams leaving the Big 12 for the SEC, and there was people wondering, are we going to have four super conferences in ten years? Ten years later, that's pretty much the case. Now we know playoffs are expanding from four to 12. I mean... You tell me what this game looks like in 10 years. Is this it, or are there more transformations and evolutions coming for college football? Oh, no, there's definitely more, Tyler. And, and honestly, that, that, that's what stood out to me in, in you know, communicating with some administrators today about these moves to the ACC. I mean, SMU and even Cal and Stanford are going to be waiting so long to, be, to get full membership shares in the ACC, what's the ACC even going to look like at that point? <laughs> Nine years down the line, seven years down the line, it's really hard to predict uh, the, you know, how, how this is going to uh, be at that point because things are going to continue to change, especially with this consolidation era and the likelihood of just these two major conferences, at least in football. You know, the ACC could be very different, and those schools could be part of it, but the revenue and, and how it all works out and whether it's seen as a great deal or not, that, that very much remains to be seen because how dynamic things have been and how much things have shifted here just in the last three summers. So between conference realignment and week one of the college football season, you're a busy man. So you've got TCU Colorado tomorrow, Northwestern Rutgers on Sunday. The marquee matchup, Deion Sanders' first game with the Buffaloes. What are the realistic expectations here? Because I know they've turned this roster over six ways to Sunday. TCU's coming off an appearance in the national championship game. What can we realistically expect from Deion's squad in being able to stand up to a TCU team? You give him any shot? You know, I do because you just don't know. I mean, you know, first week it always has a degree of mystery. You cover the sport, Courtney, just like I do. And you never know what's going to happen. But this has so much more mystery because the, the, the roster transformation is so dramatic. And you have Deion Sanders. And you have uh, you know, a, 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 such a different style that Colorado is trying to implement. Uh, so I don't really know what to expect. Coaches have told me it's going to be rough for them. They're not very good along the line of scrimmage. You know, TCU, even though they lost a lot of frontline guys, I know their coaches feel they have better depth than they had even on last year's team, like you said, that went to the national championship game. So it, there's a reason why they're such a heavy favorite, but I think it's so hard and difficult to truly handicap Colorado. They have an offensive coordinator in Sean Lewis, who I have a lot of respect for, who's going to put up points in some ways. But can they do the things you consistently need to in order to win at this level and, and back up that, that, that hype, which is obviously incredible under Deion Sanders. So they will be a better team. It's not saying much after going 1-11, but do they have the depth and the ingredients to truly win uh, you know, a decent number of games at this level in this season in a very difficult Pac-12? That, that, that seems like a tall order. Adam, we'll get you out of here with this. Uh, I know, as Courtney said, you're going to be at that game getting the first look at Dion TCU after their national championship appearance. I know on Sunday you'll catch that Big Ten matchup between Rutgers and Northwestern, and those two universities have storylines for uh, various reasons uh, off the field. But when you look around the first full weekend of college football, when you are working Saturday and Sunday, what game are you going to kind of be looking at on your phone? What intrigues you the most? this week and in terms of a week one matchup for strictly on the field 2023 reasons yeah by far the biggest matchup is the one i'm hoping to catch on my flight back to chicago on sunday night and that's lsu and florida state 
top 10 matchup. It's in Orlando, so it's kind of a neutral site, but much more of a Florida State home game. And in talking to coaches on both staffs, I think the excitement is that this will be a higher quality matchup than we saw last year in New Orleans. That was a fun game. A lot of mistakes by both teams. Florida State found a way to win because LSU couldn't make an extra point. But I think they both believe no matter how this goes, both of these teams are going to be much more viable in the college football playoff chase. So, you know, Florida State returns a lot on both sides of the ball. You know, they're kind of a co-favorite in some people's eyes, a true favorite in the ACC. Can they finally unseat Clemson? And then LSU, you know, wins the SEC West in Brian Kelly's first year and returns Jaden Daniels and a lot of, you know, NFL-type players on that roster. So can they take that next step? So that, that, that's by far the, the most exciting national matchup and the the cool part about it is that it's on sunday night no nfl and so we can just focus on that one as i'll be doing as i scramble back home to chicago yeah we've got to wait 24 hours after the true week one start tomorrow till we get to fsu and lsu on sunday night two teams that we expect to be remaining in the cfp conversation all season long hoping to get off to a hot start here in week one. He is Adam Rittenberg joining us here on Joe and Amber. Adam, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to see who will be in the zone Sunday night when LSU battles Florida State. Coverage beginning 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the app. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Courtney Cronin and Tyler Fulgham sitting in for Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. The line on that game is LSU minus two and a half. Are you going that direction, or do you have Florida State? I like Florida State. Um, you know, if you can find three out there, God bless you, take that. Um, but I, I, I like Florida State in this spot as the underdog. It's a coin flip game to me. could go either way, so catching two and a half points, I like. Florida State won the game last year. I know LSU fans are going to say, well, we so many mistakes that if we, you know, fix them, we win that game easily. You can say that in every game. Florida State has, you know, three four guys on their roster that could be first-round draft picks. Jordan Travis, Johnny Wilson, Jared Verse. I think they have the better high-end talent. I think Mike Norvell's done a good job in the transfer portal. Um, and as excited as everyone is about LSU year two under Brian Kelly, I think there should be equal excitement for this um, second year of growth or this year of growth under Mike Norvell. So I, I like the Seminoles. Courtney, how about you? I do too. Jordan Travis been in college longer than you and I have been at ESPN. <laughs> I think it's been six years for him, but... More talent, I think, top to bottom. They're returning 94% of the players who generated their defensive production, and you're going to need that when you're going against a Brian Kelly offense down at LSU. All right, straight ahead. Back into the NFL. Is there anything that would surprise us in the AFC this season? There's some good ones on this list. We're going to get into that next, coming up here on Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio and the ESPN. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Got college football already on our TVs. Don't have to wait until Saturday rolls around to watch game day and get all excited. Louisville with an early 3-0 lead on Georgia Tech. 11 minutes remaining in the first quarter of that one down in Atlanta. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Tyler Fulgham sitting in for our good friends. The last Joe and Amber ever. I'm sure at some point these two will be back, but... Joe's moving on to 12 to 3 p.m. with Chris Carlin. Amber going 7 to 10 p.m. nightly with 
Ian Fitzsimmons. Really excited for our friends and these new opportunities. Tyler, I know you're about to go from Vegas out to Bristol. You're going to be hosting Daily Wager at the Mothership. Is that right? Yeah, that is uh, correct. We are moving out there and doing our first show from Bristol Thursday, September 7th, first uh, football game of the season, so we want to be on for that. Um, so exciting, exciting to be um, in in, in the Mecca uh, for our company so I can uh, get my ugly mug on a few more shows than just Daily Wager. Not surprising that you have just escalated since the two of us were doing game night <laughs> a couple years ago. It is awesome to see. So really happy for you, really happy for our friends Joe and Amber as well. One thing that might surprise you are some of these storylines, some of these things that could happen in the AFC this year. We're going to play a little game of would you be surprised if, welcome in producer extraordinaire James Steele, to captain the ship here. Excited to see where we're starting because I know you had a really good list. Yeah, uh, and we'll start uh, like we always start with the Chiefs. Would you be surprised if? (laughs) That's one thing I'm not surprised about. Uh, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Would you be surprised if the Chiefs got off to a slow start, Tyler? Uh, I would be, because um, Patrick Mahomes is still healthy. Travis Kelsey in that offense, the schedule is not daunting. Um, I expect them to uh, open up at least you know four and two, if not six and zero, oh, even if Chris Jones is on the sideline, just because of Mahomes. I fall into that same category. It's Detroit, Jacksonville, Chicago, New York, the Jets, uh, Minnesota, Denver. Before they get to their first AFC West test, Week Seven on Sunday, October twenty second. So. Look, Chris Jones will not be back this week. I'm convinced of it. If they are this far apart, yes, there's four or five days left. They're going to wait this out until they prove to themselves. Oftentimes you see this with NFL teams that they really need him. So I bet he's back by week seven, though, but they won't be tested up until that point. All right, Courtney, would you be surprised if Miles Garrett won Defensive Player of the Year? Yes, because I think that's an award that's going to Micah Parsons, and for a number of different reasons. We know that the Dallas Cowboys have talked about utilizing him more in a pass rush role as a defensive end. He's you know bulked up to, I believe, 255 this year, so he... He's my favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. And then there's also Nick Bosa that we have to worry about. Um, If he comes back, I assume he will. Chris Jones, if he comes back, I assume he will. I think Miles Garrett is a terrific pass rusher, but there's also T.J. Watt in there. I mean, he's not my favorite name in that list to win. So I would be surprised if he ends up rising to the top in a very tough conference, or rather tough division in the AFC North, when they've got a lot of quarterbacks to go through this year. Yeah, Courtney, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, Micah Parsons is the betting favorite, but the second shortest odds in Vegas are Miles Garrett. And it's not like it's uh, Parsons is an odds-on favorite and there's a big gap. Parsons is plus 450, Garrett is plus 600 or 6-1. to one. So I would not be shocked at all if Garrett, who is maybe the most physically gifted player in the National Football League in a league full of aliens, he may be the most physically gifted. Uh, if Cleveland is good this year, which... There's reason for optimism on offense. If the team surprises in that AFC North and Garrett does what he does, 15 to 18 sacks, wouldn't be shocked at all if he's uh, the DPOI. Would you be surprised if Devontae Adams was traded at the deadline, Tyler? No, I would not be surprised. We were talking about this with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Courtney and I, earlier about Mike Evans. 
Devontae Adams kind of in the same situation. Now, I think Adams has a lot more juice left in the tank than even um, Mike Evans, but I don't expect the Raiders to contend. And especially since they play in a much more difficult division with Justin Herbert. We'll see what Sean Payton does in Denver. And, of course, the reigning champs, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs. But if they are not in position to compete for a playoff spot, come near the trade deadline. Devontae Adams provide a lot of value to try and give them some draft capital to work with, so it wouldn't shock me at all if Adams is on the move. I wouldn't be shocked if Aaron Rodgers, who's freed up a lot of cap space in New York, would be telling his GM to make everything, move mountains to get Devontae and him back together again. I would be surprised about this because I don't think the Raiders would even consider it for a second. He is a dynamic. If not, he's not top three, top two wide receiver in the NFL. And even on having a quote unquote down year last year, he's still in that category. And of course, you know, the whole team had a down year last year. They stunk. They're probably going to stink again. And if he doesn't fit with Jimmy Garoppolo or rather Jimmy Garoppolo, not fitting with Devontae Adams, then the Raiders get off to a bad start. Yeah, Devontae Adams is probably not going to be happy about being there, but I can't see them moving him at the deadline. Maybe next year. Maybe he makes a stink about it this offseason and says, get me out of here, but I do not see it happening midseason because who else do they have? Like, very little production <laughs> yeah. uh, generated elsewhere. They got Josh Jacobs, but not really at the wide receiver position outside of Devontae Adams. Got time for maybe a real quick one more. One? Would you be surprised if Justin Herbert sets to st- sets statistical career highs across the board, Courtney? Absolutely not. I would be. I actually expect it to happen with Kellen Moore's associate. I would not be surprised at all. Joe and Amber presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us. My handle at Courtney R. Cronin. Tyler's at Tyler underscore Fulgham. F U L G H U M. Straight ahead, the ACC added three more schools to the conference. So what's that mean for college football? We talk about that next here on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 